Well, it's my privilege to introduce to you one of our missionaries to the Rock of Ages. Been uh, preaching for them and ministering through the Rock of Ages for 41 years. That's a long time. I didn't know he was that old. And uh, he's younger than me a little bit. And I know he's probably been preaching about 50 years. And uh, so the Lord has uh, used this uh, dear gentleman. He, he has his main ministry now uh, over in Walker County. I believe Walker County and uh, the jail over there, been over there, have a great Christmas um, evangelism blitz and does a lot of work in a lot of other prisons, of course, too. And we appreciate Brother Steve and his dear wife, Miss Gales, with us tonight. And uh, we have uh, one, two, three people sitting out in these pews tonight. So that's all. That was a shock. This morning we had about 60 here, I think, and we could have fit about 15 more, I think. And so we just thank the Lord for... Uh, all of you that came this morning. But I want you to pray for Brother Steve. It's been a difficult time because he's had a lot of cancellations and uh, also probably cannot go into the jail every day because that's quarantine. And so I just, the Lord laid him on my heart Friday. I called him up and I said, could you preach for us one Sunday night? He said, anytime. I said, well, this Sunday night sounds like a good time. So you back him up in prayer and listen very intently in your home. Get your Bibles out. Worship the Lord while he preaches. Thank you, Brother Steve. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's a joy to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity, and it's good to see all the two smiling faces. In fact, I think one left and slipped out, but I'm joking when I say that. You know, when you think about it, this morning we had several firsts, and what I mean by that is the, it was our first worship service back, and then uh, it was my first time to sing in a mask. I walked in the door and there were several colored masks, different colors, and I thought, who's robbing who? And so forth and so on. But uh, singing in a mask is not always the easiest. I found that out today. Uh, my glasses would fog up and so forth and so on. And I slipped over or whispered in my wife's ear. I said, my glasses are fogging up. And she laughed and she said, mine are too. And so anyway, but it's a joy to be here and I appreciate the opportunity. I ask you if you will, please pray for us. Uh, we serve as representatives with the Rock of Ages. One of the things that we're trying to do is to make mention and to uh, the needs and not only the needs, but to uh, help with what we're trying to accomplish at our office. We have over 130 missionary families. As pastors done said, some of our families right now have just began debitation. They were just accepted in March. And so they're trying to start out debitation and they can't go nowhere. And so it's a trying time, no doubt. But we ask you, if you will, to pray with us and pray for us. There's a lot of things that we want to accomplish. We want to see souls saved. We want to see the backslider reclaimed. We want to see God's people encouraged and edified, exhorted, and may have sat like that, and equipped. Uh, that they can do the work that uh, God would have them to do. I can't take the place of Pastor Cofield. I'm glad he's pastor. I don't want a pastor. I can't take the place of uh, Brother Teams. I'm glad he leads the singing. I can only be in my place and do what God wants me to do. I want you to turn tonight in your Bibles. We're going to look in 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read a passage of Scripture. We'll start in verse 5. And we'll go down through verse 11. We'll have a word of prayer. And I want to talk to you out of this passage of Scripture. Simple, in one sense of the word, 
Uh, I confess that at best, I'm just a work in progress. I've not matured to the fullness of it, but I'm trying and I'm striving, and I have a desire to follow after the Lord. Now, look with me in verse 5. The Bible says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let's have prayer and then we'll look at this passage of scripture. Our Father, we come again to the throne. It's in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. It's with a grateful and a thankful heart that we bow. We pause to say to you one more time that I love you and I thank you, Father, for this privilege, this opportunity to be able to stand and share, uh, Lord, a small portion of the Word of God. I think about what you said in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So I ask, Father, please call to my remembrance all Scripture given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished, lacking nothing. Help us, Lord. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. If there's one listening tonight that, uh, Lord, is unsure about their salvation, may this be the night that they get it nailed down and they get it where it needs to be and they follow after you. In Christ's name we ask it all. Amen and amen. I want you to notice with me, I want to talk to you for just a little while. And he says, I believe it's in verse 8, for if these things abound in you, that make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful uh, in the knowledge of him. And I want to talk for just a little while on the subject of neither barren nor unfruitful. And as you think about this barren and unfruitful, may I say to you that the theme of Second Peter is spiritual knowledge. It's three chapters. It has 61 verses, almost about uh, breaks up into about one third, if I could say it to you like that, for, uh, for chapter. It's, it's not necessarily that way, but... I'm just using that as an example. And so as you look in chapter 1, may I say to you, it's the explanation concerning the knowledge of God. You look in chapter 2, it's the examination concerning false teachers. And you look in chapter 3, it's the exhortation concerning the true Christian. And what I want to look at tonight is chapter 1. I'll break it down to you very quickly. Verses 1 through 4, you find the gift of knowledge. Verses 5 through 11, you find the growth in knowledge. Verses 12 through 21, you have the ground of knowledge. And as you notice this passage of Scripture, he starts out in verse 5. He said, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Faith is a God-given. He, or excuse me, Romans chapter 10, I believe it is, in verse 17, I may be wrong about that, but he says faith is the a substance, well, I'm misquoting it. Forgive me about, forgive me for that. But in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so faith is that that is given to you and I. We receive that of the Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so as you look at this, we find seven things that we're to add to our faith. Faith is what God gives us. And then we're to grow in that grace and that love and the knowledge. I admit to you tonight or I admit to you today that uh, you're looking at best at a work in progress. I think about what he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. And God is conforming you and I into the image of his son. And so as we think about this passage of scripture, he gives us these seven different graces. This is what I would like to call them tonight. And I want you to notice with me, he starts out in verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And I want you to notice with me this virtue. It is the moral influence and it's the impact that we have on those that are around us, those that we work with, those that we come in contact with, those that uh, we are around and so forth and so on. I think about many times over at the jail uh, in Walker and so uh, as I may come in from the back and I'm coming out to the front where they bring uh, the people in and they're, uh, you know, they're processed in and so forth and so on and maybe one of the officers will let a word out that they shouldn't let or say something they shouldn't say. And I, this is not original, and I think when you hear it, you'll understand that. But occasionally they'll look up and they'll see me and they'll say, oh, sorry about that, chaplain, didn't mean to do that. And I just look back and I'll say, hey, it's not me that's listening, it's him. It's the Lord that's listening. He's the one that's listening. And that we see a picture of that virtue May I say to you, as I made mention of it just a minute ago, there's the influence and then there is the impact that we have. You know, I've told this story before and I was told that it was true and that's the reason why I use it about the young lady that was in high school. And everyone in high school, the pressure that was upon her was trying to get her to conform to be like them, to lose her purity and to lose her, uh, 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 well, her purity. And come on and do this. There's nothing wrong with this and so forth and so on. And she made the statement back. She looked at him. She said, I can always be like you, but you can never be like me. And when you think about that, someone uh, gave an impact or excuse me, someone had the right influence at the right time and put the impact into that young lady's heart that she wanted to keep herself pure until that time in which she would marry and she would give herself to her husband. And as you think about this, that's what it is. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. May I say to you, when you think about this, this is received uh, from being in the presence of God. It's not when you and I come along and say, and we have the thought, well, I got my prayer time done. No, 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 it's not then. And it's not when we say, well, I got my one chapter read, or I got my two chapters read. It's being in the presence of Almighty God. And you know, when you think about this being in the presence of Almighty God and obtaining this virtue that God gives and 
God wants us to have and so forth and so on. It reminds me, how long has it been since you've been before the throne of grace? Number one, with gratitude. How do you start your prayer life off? Many, many times it's God give me this, God give me that, thank you, amen. But what about a time of gratitude? What about a time of praying and saying thank you to the Lord for all that he's done? Have you reflected back over the day or as you get up in the morning? You know, many of you know that I have honeybees and many of you know that's one of my hobbies and so forth and so on. And the last three years, it's been difficult trying to keep those bees. I'd buy some and they'd die. And I'd buy some more and they'd die. I'd buy some more and they'd die. But this winter, I was able to keep uh, five hives and uh, several swarms have come out of those hives. I've caught some feral hives, but I've also caught some swarms that came out of those hives, our feral swarms, and then also these swarms. And uh, it seems like every one of them has been up in the tree and higher than I want to be. And so I've just had my hips, uh, the surgery done on that, and I'm on the back of my truck on a ladder in a tree trying to pull down these swarms. So the other day I was praying about it and I was asking the Lord and I just asked him, I said, Father, if you don't mind, could you make the next swarm be down where I could get them? Work it and it'd be easy and I don't have to climb uh, into the truck on a ladder and pull them out of a tree. And guess what? I got down and sure enough, there was a swarm and I was able to put the box right up under them and work around some of the limbs and just take that limb and just shake it, cut it off, shake it, and throw it away. It was right there where I wanted it. I should have kept on praying because the next two swarms after that were back up in the tree. Amen. But I'm talking to you about gratitude and thanksgiving. As I look back on that the next day as I got up and I'm going about my business and starting my day off, what about that time of gratitude? What about that spending time in prayer before the throne of grace? I confess it's been a good while, but we used to do prayer meetings, all-night prayer meetings, and God would bless and God would honor invariably. I'd start out in the evening, maybe at 12 o'clock at night, I'd fix a pot of coffee, Gail would be in the bed, I'd get into the bed somewhere around 7, wake up at 12, and then I'd start the prayer meeting and go till about 6 in the morning. And I would write the things down and I would begin to talk with the Lord. But prior to that, I always had a time in prayer, or excuse me, a time in the Word of God. And it never seemed to fail that each time that I'd done this, the Lord would meet me, meet with me, and speak to my heart through the blessed Word of God. I'm talking about gratitude. I'm talking about getting along with the Lord. And I'm talking about seeking His face. Again, it's not because we come right along and, well, I got my two chapters done. Well, I got my chapter done. Well, I got my prayer time in and I finished. God wants us to add to our faith this virtue. And then secondly, if you will, I want you to notice with me, I want you to see some other things tonight, these seven things. The second is knowledge. It comes from a Greek word that speaks of practical knowledge or discernment. God wants us to add to our faith this knowledge. And, and he wants us to have the ability with the knowledge that we have to be able to walk in this world with the word of God in our heart, following the path that the word of God would dictate to our soul. Can I say it to you like that? You know, I remember in times past when I was first saved, there used to be a, a phrase or excuse me, not a phrase, but a, 
uh, saying, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Well, that's carnal. That's fleshly. That's earthly. And, and the Bible says that's earthly, sensual, devilish. And may I say to you, God wants some men and God wants some women that are so heavenly minded they can be earthly good. That's what God wants out of each and every one of us. And may I say to you, to get into the Blessed Bible, to uh, read the Blessed Bible and to listen to the Blessed Bible and to let the Word of God speak to our hearts, this is what God wants out of our lives. And may I say to you, there's two thoughts that I have on that. Number one, and that is to keep us from sin. You know the passage of Scripture, Psalms 119 and verse 11. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And many, many times you and I, we may memorize a passage of Scripture or we may uh, be meditating on Scripture and God speaks to our heart through that very Scripture. There's been a many a times. I, I think about one time in particular. It's been several years ago. I was taking a team to Louisiana State Penitentiary. And I was nervous because I always tried to take at least 100, uh, around 100 to uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary. There's 5,208 at that time. I don't know what it is now in the population size. And uh, I always needed a large team to be able to cover that 18,000 acre complex. And so I was praying about it. I'd been asking of the Lord. And I come in and I sat down on a Wednesday night and Brother Wayne, our pastor, he said, turn in your Bibles. He was already preaching. He said, now look at this. And when he did, God just kind of reached up, pulled me down and said, here's your verse. Here's your verse. Now run with it and do what I want you to do. And that's what the Word of God does. It speaks to our hearts and it enables us to uh, yield or, or to yield to him and not to the world. May I say to you, to keep us uh, within the boundaries. You know, a lot of, I've heard people talk about how uh, the boundaries are not wide enough or, or there's not enough room in the boundaries uh, that God puts down for you Christians. I found it well sufficient. I found it good. I'm not a perfect man. I'm far from being perfect. I'm par, uh, far from perfection. Yes, I sin every day and uh, so forth and so on. But the boundaries that the Lord lay out for the Christian is well wide enough. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. When he directs a path, the path's always the best. I, I tell many, many times at the jail and different times when I'm witnessing and talking with them, and I say, listen, when you were a kid and you were under your father and your mother's uh, home and in, under their rule, if you went to town and someone, if your family stopped at McDonald's, who bought? And uh, a lot of times they would usually say, well, dad did or mom did or something like that. And that's the way it is with riding with the Lord. When you walk with him and when you ride with him and so forth and so on, I want you to understand he's the one that buys. He's the one that pays the way and he's the one that's good. And he's the one that does for us because we're his children and he watches over us. And if you notice with me, Isaiah 26 and verse 3, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And so we see there's the thought of knowledge. And then I want you to notice with me, if you look down in this passage of Scripture, 
and add to ver uh, virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. And may I say to you that the word temperance here, it speaks of self-control. We're either controlled by the fleshly desires or we're controlled by the spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, he says in Galatians 5, 16, he said, this I say therefore and testify that no, let me, let me get the right passage of scripture. I started to uh, quote out of the book of Ephesians and um, give me just a second. Galatians 5, it is in the Bible. I just can't find it. Y'all bear with me for just a second. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Galatians 5, verse 17, or 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. We're either going to be led by our fleshly desires, or we're going to be led by Him. And this is what He's talking about, this being self, this self-control. Let me give you some things to think about. There's temperance and our testimony. You find that in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that uh, always, uh, ready to give an answer always to every man that asketh of the reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. I think about his pastor was preaching this morning and you said, if I've offended, I can apologize. And we may sometimes offend, but we can apologize. And uh, we can follow after the Lord because there is our testimony. I, I still fear that today. I got saved in 1973. And I still fear the possibility of losing that testimony. I'm trying by the help and the grace of God to keep my testimony as clean as I can so that I might be able to witness with those or to those that are around me. And then may I say to you, there's the temperance in our tongue. You find that in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be con uh, uh, condemned. And then we find thirdly, there's temperance in our time. Temperance in our time. And you find over in the book of Psalms chapter 90 and verse 12, Psalms 90 and verse 12, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts under wisdom. We've only got so many days. We've only got so many days left. I'm 68 going on 69. I was joking just a few minutes ago to Brother Jason. And I said, hey, less than a year and a half, I'll be 70. Brother Wayne said, what you going to do then? I said, well, I'm just going to keep on. Amen. You know, I found a good spot. God's been good to me, and he's blessed, and he's watched over, and he's provided. And so I want to number my days, but I realize that my days are far less now than what they were when I started. I got saved when I was 21 years old, and the only regret that I have about being saved at the age of 21 is the fact that I did not do it at an earlier age and give my heart and my life unto him and to follow him. I didn't have that direction in my life at that time. And so I, I did not get saved. But thank God I got saved. I started uh, seeing a little old girl living up in Crow Valley. I can remember her dad would come along and he would witness to me and speak to me. And he'd point up like that, meaning one way. We all uh, know about that. 
I remember the first date that I had with her, Brother Wayne. I took her out. We rode around all night and come back. And I was waiting to pull into the driveway. And they had a small, small horseshoe driveway. I may have told this before, but let me say it again. And I heard something go clunk. And the rear end of my car just raised up like this. And I thought, well, what's going on? My air shocks. I must be having some problems or something. I pulled on in, shut the motor off, took her up to the door, looked out at my car and saw out on the road and my gas tank had fallen off. And so she goes in and she asked her mother, she said, can I take him home? His gas tank fell off. And the next day, her dad, that's when I meet him. My hair was long as down to about here and I had a cookie duster under my nose and everything. And I'm joking when I say that, but that is the truth. And my hair was all back, and, uh, you know, listen, when I got my hair cut, they didn't call me a redneck, they called me a white neck, okay? And I, and I remember how he come out, and I was trying to put this gas tank up back onto the car, and uh, he come out grinning, and there it was. He uh, spoke to me, and he helped me get that on, and so, anyway, that's uh, the way it was with her dad. And what I'm saying to you, that temperance, our testimony, our tongue, and our time, the days that we have left, what will we do with them? I think about one of our missionaries in Brazil. His name is John Alves. Brother John, when I first met him, was 25 years old. Now he heads up all of our ministry in Brazil. And I told him, I said, John, if God's good to you, you have the possibility of 50 years making a difference in your nation and what you can do to change the morals and the values and to bring men and women, boys and girls, to the saving knowledge of Christ. And you know, listen, if God's good to him, if he tarries his coming, if his health remains well, God may give him that 50 years. I don't know. But I'm just simply saying to you, as he says, teach us to number our days that we can utilize these wisely for his glory and his honor and his praise. And then if you'll notice with me, there's temperance in our treasures. And so we're talking about our tithe and what we give and so forth and so on. Remember the first time, uh, Brother Cofield, when I had the opportunity of tithing, I got my $27 paycheck and $2.70 wasn't too bad. I remember when Brother Blue began to preach on tithing on the whole income. And I was making one, I was making $104.19, and that meant $10.41. And I'm thinking, man, I can't do that. I can't even afford a, a carton of smokes. They're 10 bucks. And uh, what am I going to be able to do? And yet God watched over and He took the smokes from me. Amen. And then I remember when we'd get back our uh, 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 income tax. He'd say, tithe on that. So we're tithing on everything. Amen. But it hadn't been hard. It's been good. It's been good for me. And I appreciate that opportunity that God's given me. I want you to notice with me, I guess this one is probably for me one of the hardest that there is. And he says in verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. I want you to see this. This is a cheerful endurance it's not running from the circumstances, but welcoming the circumstances, knowing what it will do uh, in us and for us. 
I don't like it when I go through times of pressure. I don't like it when I am under that pressure and, and pushed and so forth and so on. But I want to say to you, listen, this is one of these things that he wants us to take on, that you and I can have the ability. I remember when I was first saved, and I went into our church at that time, the old Bible Way Baptist Church, and I made the statement. I said, well, I've been praying for patience. And someone made the statement. They said, don't be praying for patience. And I said, why? And they said, because patience worketh tribulation. And I stopped praying that. I stopped praying. I didn't want tribulation. But may I say to you, it's that cheerful endurance looking as to what it can do in and through us or in and for us. May I say it to you like that? I didn't say it's with pleasure that when they come. I didn't say that you would enjoy it. But it's what God is doing in and through our lives. Let me give you three things. I'll give them to you very quickly about patience and I'll go on. There's the glory in patience. And you find this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. In Romans 5 and verse 1 and 2, he said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand. And not only so, but we also glory. And Paul's coming along and he's saying, Glory in this. Glory in this. You can glory in your salvation. You can also glory in this. And I, I don't know that I've come to the point and place in my life or matured to that, because when he talks about tribulation in that passage of Scripture, I think it is the Greek word thalipsis. I, I believe I'm pronouncing that somewhat correct. And, and it means pressure and, and worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. And so we see there's the glory in patience, the glory for God. And then there's the growth in patience. You find that in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, we've often said, and I've heard it before and I've said it myself, you know, we'll pray for wisdom or, or excuse me, pray. Pray about it. God will give you wisdom. What he's talking about is wisdom through the trial that you're going through. I don't think it's wrong to pray for wisdom. I don't think it's wrong that we ask of the Lord. But he's saying, I'll give you uh, uh, this wisdom as you go through that trial. You pray about it. You seek my face. You turn to the word of God. Many times problems have come to heart and come to uh, uh, life. And we look to the Word of God, and God speaks to our heart, and it gives us the encouragement that we need, and we can go on. We can bear up under the load that has been placed upon us. And then may I say to you, there's the grace and patience. You find this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. And he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and he says, follow after this patience. Follow after this. And what we are not looking at is what he says in verse 10. And he says in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And then right past that, he says, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with sorrow. 
It's better that we follow after this than to pierce ourselves with the sorrow of this world, if you understand where I'm coming from. Now, let me give you these very quickly, and we'll be done here in just a second. I've got about 14 minutes, so I think we should be able to be through by around the 7 o'clock hour. I want you to notice with me in this passage of Scripture in verse 7, 2 Peter chapter 1, he said, into godliness, or excuse me, temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. And what he's talking about is a godlikeness. It's a Greek word that speaks of reverence for God. It is fear mingled with respect and esteem towards the Almighty God. Now turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus chapter 2. I want you to see something with me, and I want you to notice with me the little word adorned. And in Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says, Not purloining, but to show all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And I want you to understand purloining, it, it speaks of embezzling. And it's not large amounts of money that's embezzled, but it's like a servant or a maid that's cleaning a house. And uh, she goes into maybe the bedroom and she's making up the bedroom and she's cleaning the house. She's putting on new sheets. She's vacuuming and she's uh, wiping down the mirror and she's wiping down the, uh, you know, the uh, 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 furniture. And she looks and the owner of the house may have Let's pretend for just a second, four or five dollars worth of change. And she thinks within her heart and she says, well, I'll just take a dollar of it. They'll not miss it. That's prolonging. That's what he's talking about here. And uh, it's that small embezzlement. It's that small amount. And he comes along and he says these words right here. Let me read it again. Not prolonging, but to show all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. And the word adorn, it means to embellish. And I'm talking to you about godliness, and we're talking about the embellishment or, uh, to adorn. And it's the thought of to decorate. It's the thought of, you know, when a young couple gets married and they have the opportunity to purchase their first home. And uh, when they move in, they don't have uh, the money for all the new furniture and the, all the new this and that. They're doing what they can, so forth and so on. And the husband, he looks at his wife and he says, well, just put a sheet up over the window. That'll be fine for right now. But she comes along, she says, no, I'm not going to put a sheet up over. Or if I do, it's going to be for only a short time, short length of time. And the guy, he goes on about his business. We've got a house. Let's be happy. We'll get them later on. But she begins to save, she begins to put back, and then she begins to embellish. She begins to adorn that, and she puts up either the drapes or she puts up uh, 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 the, the, uh, whatever it is that she wants, and she embellishes that and makes it beautiful. And this is what he's talking about here, this godliness, this godlikeness. Can I say it to you like that? I want to say to you, every one of us has got flesh, don't we? We'll be in this flesh until the day that we die. We have to hold back our anger. We have to hold back our frustrations. Uh, I don't know about you, but I hate for somebody to pull out in front of me when I'm doing 50 
and they pull out in front of you and they're doing 28.5 mile an hour. And you just want to horn cuss them real good, amen? And uh, uh, so forth and so on. And I've said that before. But this is what he's talking about, this God-likeness, this reverence for God. It's that fear mingled with respect. And it's the esteem that we hold toward our Savior, toward our God. And then if you will, I'll give you two more and I'll be done in just a moment. There's the brotherly kindness. Notice with me what he says, and to knowledge temperance and temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and then in verse 7, and to godliness brotherly kindness. It's that brotherly love. It's that love for the brethren. I think Pastor said it today, and it's 1 John chapter 4, wasn't it, Pastor, that you used? Uh, and I thought, I did not put it down, forgive me, but I thought about that passage that you used, how that we love the brethren. Uh, in this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not know, that's not it. I'm sorry, which one was that, Brother Wayne? First John 4, wasn't it? 3.14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. And this is what he's talking about. Turn in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. And notice with me what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men uh, as we do toward you even as we do towards you. And then you find in the book of Galatians 6 and verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The other day I had a, was having problems with my chainsaw. And I called a friend and I said, who do, you might, who do you think you might could recommend? And he said, call this man. He said, he's a good preacher and he's a good man. And he pastors a church, pastors an independent Baptist church, not too far from here. And so I called him and I asked him, I said, uh, Brother Claude uh, told me to call you that you might could help me with my chainsaw. And he said, well, I'll work on my chainsaws and I'll work on what I get in the shop here. And, and I said, preacher, could you not help a preacher? And the first words out of his mouth when I said that was, Bring it on over. Bring it on over. And he helped me. Neither one of us got the chainsaw fixed, but he helped me. Amen. Chainsaw died. Okay, pray for the chainsaw. It's in chainsaw heaven. Amen. It was leaking oil, I believe. Now I'm joking. Amen. But it's that kindness. It's that brotherly love. And God says here in Thessalonians, and I'll read them to you again. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And then we come to the last one, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. Here we have charity, agape. It's an independent love. It has its origin from another world, 1 John 4 and verse 10. 
When I say it's independent, whether you and I ever love God back, God's going to love us all the way to the grave. It's a sacrificial love. But let me give you the passage of Scripture. I think that probably tells it best. This is what God wants out of my life. I don't know that I can say that I always do that. But I appreciate that God deals with my heart to do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. And he says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. We're in a unique time. You think about that. Who would have thought that we would sing songs today with our mask on? I was thinking about the mask if I inhale, if I exhale, you know, like that. Who would have thought that it would be, I think you said it was several services, 48 days has it been since we've been able to come together. I've sat down at the house and enjoyed the uh, revival with Dr. Reed because I wasn't here. I got to come on that Sunday night and I think we pulled out and went. We were going somewhere and so I didn't get to hear it all. And so it's been fresh for me. I know that I should have probably went back long before now, but I haven't. I can confess that. Y'all have to forgive me for that. But we're living in a unique time. People are afraid. I know that we're living in social distance. I think about one of our men, Brother Howard and Miss Vicki Smith. They're aged, and uh, Brother Howard and Miss Vicki were outside. They have a... Uh, uh, travel trailer, they live in that, and they uh, go wherever they go, or, um, excuse me, they go to wherever they're designated to be in the revival teams and so forth and so on. And so they're with that social distance. But Brother Ellis wrote us all a note the other day, and he sent it out, and he said, I appreciate Brother Howard and Miss Vicky as they were, uh, saw a man that was walking down the street and they begin to witness to him from a distance. And God got a hold of his heart, and he was under conviction, and there that man got saved. Now, who would have thought that? And I know a lot of times we could ask this and we could ask that. Hey, talk to them about it. They were there. They know what happened. You know, when we go in a lot of times, and the reason why I say that is because when we go in a lot of times, people say, well, did they really get saved? And I'll usually come back and say, well, you save your S&H green stamps and come and go with us. And, uh, you know, when you come back and you tell how many got saved, they won't believe you either. You know, like that right there. God's the one that's keeping the account. I think about a young man that was down in Alabama. I went into him. He was locked down. I witnessed to him. He wouldn't take nothing. He would not have nothing. And I may have told this before, but let me tell it again. And I was just at wit's end on what to do, and I was about to walk off, and he said, i tell you what you can do. He said, you can pray for my old grandmother and old granddaddy. He said, they adopted me, and they're my mom and daddy. And I said, okay, let's get down. I said, now stick your hands through the bars, and I put mine on his, and we begin to pray. And God gave me tears for that man. God gave me tears for that little grandmother, that little grandfather that had adopted him and took him, taken him or took him in. 
And you know, as I began to cry and tears for him, when I got through, I looked at him and I said, now, it's time that you need to do something with God. It's time that you need to get right. It's time that you need to get saved. And there that day, he got saved. And I, I want to think it was a year. It may have not have been a year. I can't remember the length of time. But I was in another Alabama prison. I was actually on death row. And there he was. He was not on death row. That's where they had placed him. And uh, I've watched it many times how the inmates will have a small piece of mirror. And when someone's back up the hole like this, they'll stick that little mirror outside their bars. And they'll look at that mirror and they'll say who it is. And he began to call my last name, Gregory, Gregory. And, and I went down to see what was going on. And he looked at me and he said, remember me? And I said, no, I didn't. I didn't remember him. I couldn't remember his face. And he said, you won me to the Lord up at uh, Draper Prison. And he said, guess what? I'm going home in 27 days. And that granny that was so sick, I'm going to get to see her. She's still alive. She made it through it. And my granddaddy or my daddy, uh, granddaddy daddy, uh, those that had adopted me. I'm trying to say something to you, Charity. In this time, in this hurting time, a caring church for a hurting world. This is a good opportunity. We may be at social distance, six feet. We may have to wear a mask. But God will give us an opportunity. It'll come back. Dr. Sexton said it correct. It'll come back. We'll have an opportunity to go again. But let's do what we can while we can right here. And be very aware of what God's put before us. I started to read all this, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. I was reading from one commentator, and I wrote down what he said. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. It determines and defines a man's own character, and personality. It is not boastful nor arrogant, but is dignified, pure, holy, courageous, and serene. Evil cannot provoke it nor wrong delight it. It bears cheerful all adversity and follows its course in confident hope. It is final virtue, the ultimate ideal of life. Many of life's activities cease or change, but love never fails. That kind word, that smile, thank you for coming. We're so glad you came. There's a hurting world. I've said this before, but let me say it again, and I'm done. But hear me out. Gail and I, we go into churches all over the country, and people come in, and they're smiling, they're smiling on the outside, but they're falling apart on the inside. I've got one pastor friend right now, unless it's changed. I've been praying for him on a regular basis because of the fact 
Lord's wife left him. And I don't want to see that. I'm hoping that they can reunite, work it out, and end this life together in harmony, in unity. And so God wants us to have that love. God looks at you as the only Bible, or excuse me, not God, but people may be looking at you, looking at you as the only Bible. Remember to keep the pages white and clean. Our fathers, we come to the throne. Thank you for the opportunity to preach, and I trust I've said some things tonight that'll help your people. Thank you for this privilege, this opportunity. Bless now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, Pastor. With every head bowed, every eye closed in a moment of invitation, as a musician plays and Brother Randy sings something, I believe that we ought to give you an opportunity to respond to this good message. Maybe you need to uh, grow in one of these graces uh, and not be barren and unfruitful. Uh, it's a shame when Christians don't grow. It's exactly what Brother Steve says, that you are a book read, and you might be the only epistle that's read of man. And so I know you want to be a good testimony. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, right in your home, maybe you'd like to bow your head and ask God to help you to yield to the Spirit of God more, yield to the Word of God more, rebuke the flesh, mortify the deeds of the flesh, and be filled with the Spirit of God. And if we've ever needed a time where we needed this kind of message, and what a message it was, we need a message to the lost and dying world of virtue, and temperance, and patience, and godliness, of just Christian love, Christ-like love. Father, use the message. <clears throat> God, we know that... Uh, it was meant for someone tuning in, uh, God, and it helped all of us here in the sanctuary tonight to realize how much we need to grow and we need to yield more to the Holy Spirit to be the best Christian that someone knows. And so, Lord, fill us with your love, fill us with, with your virtue. God, fill us with patience and temperance, godliness, all the things that was preached on tonight. And God, just... Please help us to yield more of our life to Jesus, especially in these dark days. Help us to be a light set up on a hilltop, a salt that wet the appetites of people's hearts for you. We're going to thank you and praise you for what you do in and through this message. Thank you, Brother Steve, Ms. Gail. God bless the Rock of Ages ministry, the thousands of souls that's being saved. God, those prisoners that are really suffering. Uh, Lord, in this time, without you, I pray to dear God, through their incarceration, uh, someone would bring the gospel to them before it's too late. Lord, they don't need just reformation. They need regeneration. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help them to find a gospel track. And Lord, I pray very soon that the Rock of Ages missionaries will be able to go back into those prisons and take the gospel message of love to them. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.